Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. The Waco History Podcast is sponsored by Brotherwell Brewing on Historic Bridge Street in Waco. Welcome to the Waco History Podcast. We're going to air for you over the next few months a special series of Waco History Living Stories. Uh, these were segments that were originally aired on KWBU here in Waco. Uh, they were produced by the Institute for Oral History editor, Michelle Holland, and narrated by two fabulous narrators, uh, Louis Mazze and Kim Patterson. And so these highlight oral histories from the collection of the Institute for Oral History at Baylor University, which I direct, which has been around since 1970 and has over a thousand interviews related to Waco and McLennan County history. And we're happy to highlight those here. In this episode of Living Stories, we uh, partner with some folks in Waco in the 40s, 50s, and 60s who uh, followed police calls on the radio, and we hear a bit about uh, their adventures. Then the night came alive with guns. This is Living Stories, featuring voices from the collections of the Baylor University Institute for Oral History. I'm Kim Patterson. Before television and computers monopolized our free time, chasing police calls was a popular hobby. People needed only a radio, the know-how to tinker with it, and a car. Charles Armstrong, a lifelong radio enthusiast and Waco resident, explains how he and wife Ruth had access to police dispatches through the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. They was on AM, but they were up high on the band. On your car radio or house radio, you mm-hmm. could turn up forward, go plump to the end of the band, you could take your screwdriver and go in the back, and you could change the frequency, you could raise it up a little bit by using what's called an antenna tuner, and you could reach the police department, you could hear them on their dispatching. So we could listen to them, and uh, if it's anywhere close, we'd get in the car and go. And then it didn't last very long. I guess people got to buy in the police department, and they, maybe you're tuning people, firing them. So they went to FM, frequency modulation. I run up on an ad in one of the purpose books who bought a tank receiver uh, from the Army tanks, mm-hmm. 12 volt operated, and uh, so we chased them on FM. Fires, car crashes, homicides, the Armstrongs went to it all, and their adventures influenced a young man named John Sherrill. We'd chased them many times so long that we knew every policeman on the force. Mm-hmm. In fact, the boy that used to ride with us to chase the calls, he said, Boy, I said, I'd like to be a policeman. So they got school open there, and John went down and took a test and got on the police department. He stayed on there for 40, something, 40 years. He's been on there for years. He was on there for years. And he ended up being a detective, Mm. and he got a taste of it from us. When something interesting came over the police band, the Armstrongs often picked up nearby friends Harry and Lois Raines. Mr. Raines describes one disturbance that took place near the former post office at Franklin Avenue and 8th Street. Two soldiers were harassing a female and called in friends as backup when police arrived. Mr. Armstrong and Mr. Raines decided to help out. 
There's about two trucks sitting over the post office there. They whistled for them, and they all jumped out. So we was all out there fighting, and it tore up his policeman's uniform. I was out there fighting, and I was stomping his hat up. <laughs> and he had his gun out. He was hitting on the side of the head with it. We loaded him in our car. Took him to the police. They soldiers dressed in civilian clothes. This police hit him up the side of the head, you know, and it didn't bring him down or nothing. It shoved him in the car, hit the head up against the side of the car. It didn't bother him. Mm-hmm. Well, they must have been hopped up on something, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they took him down there and drove in there. They reported we had kidnapped them soldiers. <laughs> These are the other guys in the truck. They uh-huh. the post office called said we'd kidnapped them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we drove in down there. Some policemen standing out there and they said, This car kidnapped them soldiers. They said, No, we didn't kidnap them. We're bringing them in jail. The first commercial police scanners hit the market in the 1970s, and today all kinds of scanning equipment exists, with many feeds streamed over the Internet. Several regulations of the practice have been put in place since the days when the Armstrongs and Raineses were listening in. For more information about this program or the Institute for Oral History, visit us at baylor.edu slash livingstories. Thanks for listening to the Waco History Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes so we can reach more listeners. You can find show notes and info on every episode at wacohistorypodcast.com and more info on Waco's past at wacohistory.org. Our theme music, used with permission, is Cross the Brazos at Waco, performed by the late Billy Walker. For more info on Billy's music, go to billywalker.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.